With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Belizeans all over 
the diaspora and in Belize. Um, I apologize for coming on a little bit late. It's 12.07 and typically comes on at, at uh, 12 o'clock sharp, but I had a little technical difficulties. I'm in Belize, so um, bear with me. Um, it has been a very, very a revealing and enlightening experience to be on the ground and be able to bring you live broadcasts with dynamic Belizeans that reside here in the Jewel. Um, today I will be talking to, uh, to, to Micah Goodin, who is, uh, well, he's a potential standard bearer for, for college, for the People's United Party. This is a young, dynamic brother who, who is an excellent example of what you should be. And I, I think that, you know, um, we need to be able to highlight our youth despite what we, you know, we shouldn't be caught up in, in party colors or allegiances. This young brother represents something positive of what youths should strive for. He's staying out of trouble. He's doing the right thing and trying to, to set an example for what our young people in Belize society is, ought to be looking for or in that particular direction. Look, bear in mind that in Belize we have, we have, uh, more than 50 to 60, almost 70% of our population are between the ages of 15 to 25. So it's a very young population. So when you have individuals such as Micah who can, who can um, come on and, and, and express themselves,
Okay, I'm going to uh, hang up and call. infrastructure development that's another thing we can't these these are things that doesn't suggest oh there's no PUP or UDP or any particular persuasion to to develop these resources they must be done because it's for the national economic security of the country and we cannot say we cannot sit back and say oh, okay well this is done by this one here it has to be done for the pub these are what I consider public goods and public goods by definition is non-rival, non-exclusive, and you you can enjoy it more than me, or I can enjoy it more than you, because in at, at the end of the day, it's it's subsidized by taxpayers, and so we all have an opportunity to enjoy. It. And I, if we continue to to categorize everything by political party or persuasion, then we can't. We, we are retarding our development. And take for example this youth here. Yes, he's 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 a potential or. Uh, standard bearer for the People's United Party, but so what? It's a positive thing. I don't care who he was a standard bearer for. The fact of the matter is, this is a young man who has decided, and with all the negative things out there that that, or, that, that, that plagues the youth in a society, teenage pregnancies, uh, the fact that, uh, you know, the, you know, the, particularly for the, uh, the black males, or Afro-Belize males, gang-on-gang violence, you know, the self-hate of each other, all these negative things that that can plague a society or youth, this young man has decided that you know he's going to look past that and you know, with the help of God, trying to do the right thing for himself and his country. So we must we must celebrate the positiveness. And if there are people out there who wants to categorize everything into political categories so that they can feel comfortable. In, in, in feel comfortable in casting judgment or feel comfortable in casting aspirations one way or the other. And I, for me, I'm not, I don't think that's the right way to approach our development. Yes, it's okay. I'm not, I don't have an issue. If anyone wants to belong to a party or belong to a particular persuasion, just as long as they realize that at the end of the day, this rabid, petty, partisan divide that we have um, is not going to get us to where this country needs to be as a as a nation, as a society, and as a nation state that's that's trying to develop itself beyond the mere task of PUP, UDP, or or beyond the mere task of suggesting that 
if it's not done under one particular party persuasion or one party allegiance, then it's not going to be done the right way. So, you know, we need to get past that particular um, thing. And as I wait for Micah to sign in and log in via Skype, and anybody who wants to log in via Skype is BTR Listener 022. Once again, that's BTR Listener 022. That's the uh, login for Skype if you can't if you can't get an opportunity to to log in. Now, if you can't do Skype and you're having an issue with getting on like that, uh, if you want to use your cell phone, you can call seven one four or any phone for that matter seven one four two four two six one one nine, and that will get you live into the show as well. And you can also Use Magic Jack if you're in Belize or anywhere in the world where where um, calling by phone will incur any kind of cost. Then you could also use your Magic Jack to Magic Jack to call seven one four two four two six one one nine. Let me okay. Let me just tell you some certain some things that I observed when I was here. That some of the current events that are occurring while we wait for Micah. Um, Mr. Esquivel's daughter. Mr. Esquivel is the former prime minister. His daughter resigned from the Belize Tourism Board and because allegedly that board was in the red for $30 million. And one thing you must understand about the tourism, as I understand it, the tourism board is self-sufficient. Allegedly, it's, it gets its revenue directly from the tourism stream, so it doesn't necessarily have to go to the government coffers to get money. So when they were in the red for $30 million, Again, as I understand it, they, had, they went back to the government, to the government of Belize and said, oh, we need help. And, and I guess it was a situation where they decided, you know what, we're not going to tolerate it. And so she was pressured to resign or have to resign. In any event, Mr. Esquivel and his wife, Kathy, decided that they, in protest, in protest of what, well, obviously they didn't agree with, with, with the, 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 the unceremoniously, unceremonious way in which their daughter was made, Miss Frampton was made to uh, resign. So in, they decided that they're going to resign whatever position they held within the government of Belize. And Mr. Esquivel was a top advisor to to Mr. Barrow, and so he decided to resign. Now, I was reading an article in the Mandela newspaper whereby they were looking at what is it. There's some people who are saying, okay, well, Mr. Estimel was treated wrong. He, I, I read a blog that Godfrey Smith had put out where he was questioning why the UDP treated Mr. Estimel in such a uh, harsh manner. He felt that it wasn't statement-like because Mr. Esquivel, um, some sort of respect as a two-term prime minister in Belize. And I, I, I didn't have anything with that, but when he went on to suggest that he, Godfrey Smith decided that, that Philip Golson, he, 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 okay, he propped up Mr. Esquivel at the expense a Philip Goldstein, and for me that was a no-no because look, we must 
acknowledge our heroes. And without a question, without a question, Mr. Golson belongs in the pantheon of Belize heroes. And the issue that I have with Godfrey Smith's uh, blog was because he suggested that Mr. Golson, he was very dismissive of Mr. Golson's uh, legacy. Uh, he said that Mr. Golson led a resistance movement. Okay, I'm glad that he led some sort of movement to, to challenge. Let's look at the Webster's proposal. You realize if that had occurred, Mr. people like Mr. Golson was not there as a lone voice shouting, championing the fact that that we had this aggressive expansionist entity to, to a Western South, Guatemala, that wanted all our part of our territory, and we didn't have a, a Mr. Golson there to, to keep our eyes, to, to do to, to, for due diligence, to be vigilant. Do you realize that the Webster proposal would have made, would have adjusted that document in 1968, would have made believe the protectorate of Guatemala? In other words, we would have been another state, a province in Guatemala, just, just like the way Bluefield region was incorporated in Nicaragua. And so, when you, how can you trivialize that? Another thing that, you know, he was trying to suggest that we, did cloak, we cloak him with the, with the person in, in some sort of special privilege as, as, a, as a hero when it's not deserved, but George Price is deserving of it. I don't have an issue with Mr. Price, Mr. George Price being deserving of it. And I agree, he also should be in the pantheon of a believer. But, Mr. Price made some mistakes too. He was saint-like. And I, res- I have all the respect for Mr. Price, but I'm saying we cannot denigrate one hero at the expense of another. Mr. Price made in secret with, in London with, 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 with a Guatemala delegation. We don't, I, don't, I wasn't at that meeting. I'm not going to call him any, any, any name that's going to denigrate his, his legacy. But for many looking on from the outside, you have to question, okay, why would, you know, sort of compromise our territorial integrity? We don't know what he did, but the fact that he did, because he was trying to frustrate the British in every opportunity he, he, he could get because he wanted to, he, he was, you know, he wanted independence for the country. And I agree that he should have, you know, we should have independence for our country. But the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, for Godfrey Smith to suggest that that Mr. Goldstone's legacy is somehow tainted or somehow not what it ought to be. I took the front for that because I felt that despite of your political persuasion, I don't care what, which one you are, Mr. Goldstone belongs in the pantheon, just as Mr. Price does in the pantheon of leadership, I'm sorry, heroes. And so, come back to Mr. Esquivel. He was trying to suggest that it was Mr. Esquivel that, you know, that, first of all, Mr. Esquivel was a very, he was cold and uncaring to many. His flooding technocratic style, I never admired. And I'll be frank, I never admired his flooding technocratic style. And the fact of the matter, when he retrenched those government workers in 1995, to me, around Christmas time, you retrench people who make their living because you're following the mandates of foreign donors. This guy was a good technocrat. He did everything the IMS said, all the austere programs, even meant taking people out of the door. I'm not, I'm not for that because you, the working class majority already is struggling on the periphery, disenfranchised, and then you're just going to pull the rug from under him because the, because the IMS said so? The IMS is a lender. It's like a cartel. They're the, they are a lender of last resort. You only go to the IMS when you have, when you have exhausted all your options when you've exhausted all your avenues for 
for invest for to get capital. So the fact that he had to go to the IRS and IRS came down with some austere program and one of those things was to entrench government workers and to also to to in, to incorporate the value added tax, what we call it, well the PUP called it killer VAT at the time. These were policies that I didn't agree with. And it's not to do with the fact because Mr. Taylor was a GDP. I didn't feel like these policies were in keeping with the national secure, economic security interests of this country. So I was against that. People was trying to big up Mr. Escobar as though this guy was some, some national hero because he won twice. He, Mr. Escobar was just, first of all, let's examine his career, just like the way Evan Exai did in the editorial. This guy had no popular support or, or political capital. As far as I know, there was nobody clamoring for his leadership. There was nobody clamoring for Mr. Escobar. Oh, it's not like he came to Belize, with, you know, came to power and with some enlightened position for the UDP where he said, uh, okay, this is a, a clear, comprehensive vision that he was articulating to the people and saying, this is what, this is the direction I want us to go. He came in, you know, looking at how he could, you know, repair the economy, which rightly so, but he did it at the expense of the poor working class majorities. So I am, I'm not sure what is it that Mr. Smith, Godfrey Smith, was admiring about Mr. Esquivel, because as far as I'm concerned, you know, he was one of the worst neoliberals that we've ever had as a, as, as a prime minister. This guy, he was decidedly, unabashedly pro-U.S., pro-West, and he made no bones about it. He, far, you know, he felt that the only way forward was to, to get foreign capital by any means necessary. And his, neo, his brand of neoliberalism, which was a conservative market business philosophy for development that concerned only with this, bottom line. It doesn't matter what, as long as it was not people-centered, it had anything to do with the people, it was concerned with balancing your, your books and be damned with anybody else that, that, that you have to cut off. That was his philosophy. That's not a national philosophy for development where you just discard the interests of your people in the hope of balancing your books. Yes, I understand we always have fiscal responsibility. I'm not suggesting that we shouldn't have fiscal responsibility. What I'm saying, I am not I don't subscribe to the school of thought that says we must have fiscal responsibility at the expense of your people. In any event, I believe Micah is on. Micah, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you very well, Mr. Oh, very good. Speak up, Micah, because I can hear you too. Speak up so everybody can hear you. Yes, can you? Is this a bit better? Yeah, all right. Okay, so we have live on the line Micah Gooding, a young brother who I admire. I admire this young brother because, look, this brother, this young brother, if you know his story, you would understand the sacrifices and the temptation that this brother had to resist to just stay on an even keel, to be getting an education with all the negativity going on around. And, I, and we need more Michael Gooding. I don't care what party he goes with. I don't care who, what party they come from. We need more Michael Gooding in our society, and that's a fact. And I would support any young person who's, who, have, who can look at this country and says, you know what, I want to make a difference. I want to be a positive part of it. I want to be part of the solution and a part of the problem. And this is where I admire Michael Gooding for because he has decided, you know what, I want to be part of the solution. So, Michael, how are you doing today, brother? I'm doing good, Mr. Pappersberg. Uh, enjoying the weather. <laughs> All right. So tell me, man, what, what, what motivated you? What's your motivation to decide uh, you want to challenge a young brother, 21 you're 21 years old, correct? 20 years old. 20 years old. A young uh-huh. brother, you know, that you decide you want to be a potential standard bearer in the college division. What was your motivation? What caused you to say that you can do this? Well, um, 
several things motivated me, Mr. P. Uh, first of all, I am young, but I believe in my, my potential. I believe in my capabilities. I believe in myself, and I believe in God. Secondly, as youth leaders and youth activists, we always say to young people, believe in yourself. Whatever you believe, you can achieve. And step up. Take part in your country. We always, we always encourage young people to step up and live in their country and to get around the decision-making process. So I saw this as the opportunity for me to practice what I preach. Uh, lastly, I think our country is in need of real leaders. So what you story or what group are you affiliated with at this particular time? Sorry? What youth, what youth organizations are you affiliated with that you, that you, you felt that you could give that direction that we were just discussing to with just now? Yeah, I'm actively involved with the Nation Builders Group. I'm okay. involved with the Belize Youth Movement. That's the PUP's youth arm. Mm-hmm. And I am also the party's youth envoy. Okay. And let me ask you this. What are, what are some of the challenges that now you will face now that you've tossed your name into the hat, if you will, into the ring? What are some of the challenges, as you, as you understand it, that you will have to overcome? I think the first challenge that I would have to overcome, Hubert, is my age. There will be people out there who will underestimate me. There will be people out there who will not believe. There will be people out there who will say, you're only 20 years old. You don't understand politics. You don't understand this country. You're too young for it. So that is the first challenge that I will overcome. The second challenge would then be to, to change the minds of the people, to change the culture that has been created, to change the system, the way we look at politics and the way we look at politicians. You know, it, there's, a, there's a system in place that keeps our, our citizens prisoners you know, on election day. Vote for me, I'll give you $25. Vote for me, I'll give you $10. So that is another challenge that I think I will face. And the last challenge and the greatest challenge that I think I will face is, is finance, you know, because I refuse to turn to any individual that does not want the best for my country. The people, the reason for it is to serve the people, not serve any one group of people or any individual. So that's the, the, the last challenge that I think I would have. Mm-hmm. And so as you go around, what are you doing? What are some of the things you're doing to try to overcome those challenges? Well, um, at this time, at this stage of my, um, my political career, what I'm doing is I'm organizing. I'm getting my committee together. I am looking at issues. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at uh, channels that we can use to, to garner our own, own finances instead of having to turn to, to any one group of people. Mm-hmm. So, so you don't necessarily have any, any power financier that say, I'm backing you and saying, okay, this is my guy and I'm going to, I'm going to finance his campaign and all expenses. So you, you, essentially this is you just with your vision, with, with a group of a committed group of people around you that decide that that's how they're going to try to get you finances. It was not no one or two powerful organizations that's behind you, correct? Exactly. Uh, okay. All right. That's great. Um, let me ask you, though, as a, as, a, as a youth who has decided to go down this road, what are some of the, what are some of the feedback you get from youth as you traverse this country, as you traverse the division, or just traverse the nation? What are some of the... What are some of the things that you hear the youth are telling you out there? Well, I, I was on a countrywide tour for the 
People's United Party as their youth envoy, and several issues kept surfacing. Those include education, the accessibility, the affordability, and the second issue that also I, I noted several times was employment. Many young people don't have access to employment. Many young people sit in classrooms, get a lot of homework, study hard, and at the end of the day, it's as if though they've wasted their efforts because the education system is not linked to any sort of employment scheme. So that is another issue. And young people across this country want to be more engaged in the issues. They want to be seen as assets instead of liabilities. And I think that is that, that, that those are some of the major issues that I see affecting young people at this time across the country. Okay, let's say you let's say you, you get blessed and I and you, you triumph. Hypothetically, okay, I don't want to put you in the spot yet. Let's say you triumph. What are some of the what are some of the what are some of the main tenets along the lines that you discussed that you will champion that forcefully that this is what you want to see as one of the you two have overcome all these impediments to make it, let's say you get into the, the House of Representatives, you become a part of the cabinet. What are some of the things that, you, that, you, that, that I can look back and say, oh, I can see that Micah fingerprint is going to be on that? <laughs> well, I think the first thing is going to be education. I want to look at the education system as a whole and see how best I can change it. So at the end of the day, when you graduate, you know that automatically, yes, I have a job, I have a future. I want to look at the syllabus. I want to look at courses that we can implement, courses that we can use to, to help our country with its development immediately after you finish, or even while you're attending college, right? Uh, I also want to look at, at uh, employment economy. I want to see young people being linked directly to the economy. All over the world, we see young people helping their economy. Economies through simple ways, through ideas, through their creativity, through their time. So that is also something that I want to see, see happen in Belize. I want to see the young person that knows music well. I want to see that person become a part of a movement that will help our economy. Do you have any specific program or specific uh, idea that you, that you believe that can work or a model that you might have seen around the world that you would like to implement? Well, at this time, Mr. Hubert, we're still working on that, my team and I. We're still looking to, to perfect our, our vision. We're still working on that. But we have some great, great things in mind that I won't share as yet. But okay. in the future, you will be privy to, to those ideas. Mm. But also, you have things on the board that, you, that, you, that, you, that you're discussing with your group. Exactly. Okay, All right, that's fair enough. Let me ask you, as far as the, what, as far as the People's United Party is concerned, what are some of the things that you notice? Uh, that they have done to try to, to incorporate more youth since you were part of it. What, what were some of the things that, you, that, that they have done to, to positively affect the youth in this country? Well, the first thing that they have done is to include a youth on the ballot. And I think that is a huge step for any political party. I don't see the United Democratic Party involving any young people to this level as yet. Uh, I think another thing that they have been doing to, to help young people and to encourage them is to have a strong and vibrant youth arm, which Alberta versus the president. So they're giving, us an they're giving us opportunities to be more vocal in the party and to be able to, to make decisions within the party. Alberta sits around the executive. He sits in the executive of the party, so he is able to then represent us young people. 
So the party is making it more possible and more easier for young people to have a say in our country's direction, our country's governance. So that is a major plus for this political party. You know, I was speaking to another young lady at the time when you guys weren't able to come on because of technical differences, uh, difficulties you in Alberta, and one of the things that she told me was that when she asked the youths, well, at least where she lived in, in, in San Ignacio, a lot of the youths, or when, even when she goes around, she said a lot of the youths weren't even aware that they have some youth policy, a policy for youths. Is that is that an issue, or I mean, is that a myth that you, that was her perception that that the youth weren't aware that there's you know, yeah. not saying the people's United Party, not talking about yours per se. I'm not saying that the, this particular government that we have have a policy available that where they want to incorporate youth, but she's saying that 99 percent of the youth are well, the majority of the youths are not aware of such a policy. Are, are you aware of anything that, that they're doing to to try to incorporate youths? and enhance youth development in this country? Uh, Hubert, you brought up a point. You brought up the, the youth policy. Alberta and, I and other young people, we have been on the forefront fighting for the youth policy to even be documented. And now we're in a fight to get it implemented because for now it has only been a cosmetic policy, meaning that there was a lot of money spent. There was a lot of resources used. But at the end of the day, the youth policy is sitting on a shelf somewhere gathering dust. So that is something that we're fighting for. Uh, and you're right, the, the policy needs to, to move from off the shelf, but it needs to, to, to affect our lives. We need to feel as if though there is some sort of mechanism out there to help us, to give us a future. Uh, for now, the youth, policy, the youth policy has been out for over a year, Hubert, and nothing has happened to date. Nothing has changed. Uh, access to education still continues to be an issue. Employment, another issue. Uh, nothing is happening for young people. And while we have, and we have ministers who are supposed to be representing us, they are beating their chest and talk about talking about youth development and go young people. But nothing has changed for us. Nothing. That's interesting. Um, as a young man who grew up, tell us a little about your story, brother, because you. You know, I mean, I'm I'm compelled to to believe that you know you have to have a strong vision to even to be where you are right now. You know what I mean? Tell us yeah. about, what what tell us about your origin, your upbringing. Where did you grow up? Where did I grow up? Yeah. I grew up in one of the most depressed communities of Belize City, that is Majestic Alley. I spent about ten years of my life there, uh, ten to eleven years of my life, and. Every day I was surrounded by negativity, going to school, coming home from school. You know, I then went, I went to St. Vernon Technical High School, not because I was uh, a bit anything, but that was what my mother could have afforded at the time. And so there I, I became a bit deviant. I followed the wrong people, peer pressure. You know how, how, mm -hmm. how it is for young men here. You know, and so I was on a part of, deviance and a path that was leading nowhere. And so I said to myself, Belize got too much bad man on the mic. <laughs> Belize have mm -hmm. too much bad man. We don't need another bad, bad man. Mm -hmm. A lot of black men are done bad man. We need some black men to be leaders. Black men where people could look up to black men that can change the whole system so that no black man don't have to be a bad man. So that mm -hmm. is something that, that helped me to, to, to change. Uh, and Another thing that, that uh, helped me to change was the fact that I, I saw my family 
has been important. My mom, uh, in 2006, there about when when Zenaida Moya won the election for city council as the mayor, my mom was a traffic officer. She worked from sunrise until sunset, you know. And as soon as the government changed, she got dismissed for her political affiliations. And so that that was something that deeply hurt me. I was moved by it, you know, because we went from eating three meals a day to eating two meals a day. Uh, we went from from having everything in our house to, to almost losing everything. I could still remember the day when courts came to my house. They back out the TV. They take me and my brother off of the couch. The fridge gone, everything gone. So I could remember having absolutely nothing and being very frustrated, being very miserable as a young man in this country. You know, and I just wanted to, to be rebellious. I just wanted someone to hear me. I just wanted people to listen to my situation. And it's not only my situation. This is the reality for many young people across the country. Right? So I just wanted someone to actually listen and to, to, to help. So that's a bit of myself, my life. You know, and so Hubert, my experiences and where I've come from, those have all, have all helped to, to mold my perception, to mold my perspective, to mold my way of thinking, and to, to mold what I want to see for the future. Uh, okay. I want to transform pain into power because there are a lot of people living in pain in this country. You know, a lot of people are suffering. A lot of people are hungry. A lot of people are miserable. So we want, I want to transform that pain into power for everyone through my candidacy. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned something that's very interesting. You said, you're, obviously, our experiences helped to shape our worldview. But what are other things that help to shape your perception of not only this nation as a, as a, as a, as a country, but, but, but your worldview? What are some of the... What, publications or philosophy? Is there any distinct philosophy that you adhere to that, 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 that guides your, you know, your compass? <laughs> well, uh, I'm a Christian, first and foremost. I believe in God. And secondly, I have adopted a sort of socialist perspective uh, from reading different works and looking at the lives of different people like Che Guevara, Fidel Castro, and others, right? So mm-hmm. these gentlemen have helped to to form my perspective also, right? Have helped to, to, to shape how I look at beliefs, how I look at our economy, how I look at the world for that matter. So yes, there are different people and there are different publications that have helped along the way. Okay. Um, as, as a youth, as a, as a Af- you said something that's very important and I want to get you to expand a little bit. As a, as a young black male growing up in the inner cities of the not outside mostly, experience like brother what is it on a daily basis for those young black male it's not only about south side hubert it's about north side also and i am i'm tired of of people always talking about south side south side south side same realities exist for young men on the north side who know that a school to try hustle who know the try hustle to hang wrong if you're the hang on police still come and bother you boxing no more not even ask you no question. The time they see a young black male dressed a certain way, look a certain way, you automatically become a threat for police and for other black men. So you have to, you're, in, you're, you're between a rock and a hard place. You have to hide from two sets of people. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very hard life, you know. It's very tough, very scary. 
and you never know what the next day may bring. You know? Yeah, that's that's very sad, Michael, because you know uh, that kind of racial profile, you know, just or you know that per, the perception that 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 all Afro-Belize male are violent and they just want to rob you and take away something from you. Yes, there's a small minority out there who who are, I'm sure, you know, indulge in that kind of deviance. But uh, would you say that's a minority, or because you know how the media the media tends to spin a certain thing. Is that a fair assessment that the Afro the Afro-Belizean male is a violent to be to be discarded and avoided at all costs? Uh, I don't agree with that, Hubert. But we are products of our society. We are products of a system that does not just as being important that does not see any relevance in our lives just because of where we've grown up, where we went to school, where we live. So. We're in a very bad position as young black men in this country. But at the end of the day, no matter what happens, no matter where we are, it is up to us to to have faith and believe and do what we need to do to uplift ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to make it into a racial thing, Michael, because, I mean, you know, I, I try to look past that and say that we can, you know, uh, the human spirit is greater than, 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 than the skin color. What are some of the, what are, what are specific things that, that, that you think that we can do to overcome that kind, of, that that kind of negative perception of the of, of just young men in general in, in this society. I think it has to be a two-way street. There are many young men out in this country who want better for themselves, but they are not seeing the opportunities, they are not seeing the vehicles, they are not seeing the avenues. So we need to meet our young people, our young men halfway. You like to rap? You like music? Here is an opportunity to go to a music school. Here is an instrument. Here is a, a, a space where you can use to express yourself musically. So we need to provide the opportunities for all young men, all young people to be positive and to be constructive. If there are no opportunities for them, then what do we expect? I want to ask you something. I don't want to, again, I want to get, what was your, what was your view of the, uh, of the woman empowerment thing? This is supposed to be Women's Month, and I brought on a panel of them uh, a couple, two weeks ago. Uh, the Deputy Party Chairman of the uh, People's United Party, Carmen Trent Santaford, excellent. Ariel Lightfoot, Marisa Alhamila, and Nancy Marin from San Ignacio, and Ariel Lightfoot out of out of um, Tampa. Uh, what was they had mixed? They had a mixed viewpoint as, on the 20,000 empowerment movement that that just went down. What is as a youth, as a black youth, young man? What was your uh, perception of that? <laughs> Well, well, just, be, just, just be honest. I, I want to okay. know, you okay. know. Okay. Well, first of all, let me tell you that I love women. I admire them greatly, especially my mother and the other women that have helped to, to groom me. So, first of all, that, that is the point that I want to make. Secondly, I saw this 20,000 women strong. I saw it as a, as a good initiative. However, at the end of the day, like what Honorable Dolores Balarama said, nothing changes for women. You go home and you still get battered. You go home and you can't find food to feed your children. You go home and you go back to nothing after the, after the rally is over. Uh, I believe it was about quarter million dollars that was And that money could have been used for other things, Hubert. That could mm-hmm. have been used to, to build a resource center for these young women to, to learn a trade, to learn a skill, something. That money could have been directed otherwise that so that we could have, these women could have still benefited from, from the investment. So I think that 
while it is a good initiative, it should have been thought a bit more in depth, thought out a bit more in depth so that the the results could be more impacting. Because everybody could go to a rally and scream to each other. You could walk to the foot one walk left but at the end of the day, what changes? Okay. So you 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 weren't against it across the board, you just felt that they that, that you felt that they could have uh, possibly addressed certain issues in a more perhaps in a more you know, positive manner or perhaps going about it in a different way. But is that that I notice you're not saying a blanket rejection of it, but you had issues with certain aspects of it. Okay, I could I could I could relate to that. I mean, you know, I supported the march because I felt that you know any 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 opportunity to to, to highlight the plight of women anywhere in the world is a positive thing. Of course, again, the methodology is always going to be come up for question, but I'm not going to belabor that point. But let's move on. We only have like I mean six or seven, about ten more minutes left or so. I want you to tell us, Michael, that your vision as a young man. Would you be able to realize that vision under the auspices of the People's United Party? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that part. Okay, based on all the things you've discussed, you know, your your vision for youth, your vision for you know what you did for for the, for black males or young men in general in this, in this country. Do you believe that you'll be able to realize some of those things under under the auspices of the People's United Party? Well, Hubert, if I didn't believe, I would not have submitted my candidacy. Mm-hmm. I genuinely believe that things could change with the People's United Party. Uh, the Honorable Francis Fonseca is a very humble man. He's a good listener. And he he makes it possible for us to share ideas. He listens to ideas, right? So mm-hmm. I think that is a plus for the People's United Party. And not only the People's United Party, for the first time in a long time, we actually have a leader that listens, a leader that is not arrogant and lofty all the way to the top while his people are at the bottom. So that is a plus. And I think through him and through the People's United Party that things could be changed. Okay. And, you know, and I think that, you know, my, like I was explaining to, uh, to my listeners before we, you know, before we were able to poke up, that look, you know, we need to look past oh, some of these divides that, that separates us from national development. The fact that a youth like such as yourself, like you just explained, you, 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 your, your background, where you come from, the fact that you are even at this position at 20 years old should be celebrated, brother, because I don't think that, you know, it, I don't care what party you belong to, the fact that you've come this far, the fact that you, you're not a statistic, the fact that you're not in jail, the fact that you don't have no legal pregnant, the fact that you're being res- a responsible young man ought to be celebrated, particularly in a society that don't really value their youths. Because you know that life expectancy for it, it, it for in Belize, seventy-two year old, seventy-two years old. It's half that for youth. So, yeah. typically speaking, Michael, you you expect to live only like around thirty-five or maybe maybe thirty, given the the the, the constraints in our society. So the fact that you are on this skill here, brother, I think we need to celebrate that more. And, and you know, I, I, another thing that that I find interesting that when it comes to a youth, like you said. You know, we don't want to value them for what they are and value their opinion. And obviously, you have a very strong opinion, a very strong base, and I encourage it. I want to support people, young men such as yourself, because you are, you are what this country needs for development. We need people who are, who are grounded in, in a good faith. Like you said, you are a Christian brother. You know, you have a clear vision that you can articulate, not only to your peers, but to the society in general. These are all things that are positive that we must celebrate. Micah, I want to tell you, brother, we only have like 
five minutes or so, I want you to give a parting shot to, 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 to the people. I want you to express to them Micah Gooden and what he stands for. <laughs> I don't know if but here's the opportunity to tell the diaspora, you know, okay, he's all over the to you. Okay, I, I want to tell the diaspora several things. The first being that the People's United Party is not using Micah Gooden. Micah Gooden is using the People's United Party. Honorable Francis Fonseca is using the People's United Party. Honorable Julius Espat is using the People's United Party. And all of the other PUP Arabs are using the People's United Party. The party is not using them. Because only through the party and only through the political arena can we secure the resources that we need to, to, to strike the change that we want to see. And we can do it very swiftly through the political medium. So that is the first thing. Uh, the second thing that I want to say to the diaspora is that I am not here to represent any one individual. I'm not here to represent any group of individuals. I'm here to represent Belizeans. I'm here to represent young people. Those are the people that, that are backing me. Those are the people that I want to back me. Those are the people that I want to get their $2, their $5, their $10. So at the end of the day, when I get from point A to point B, I want them to look to me and say, we got you there, so we need you to get us to, to the next step. Right? So um, I want to be indebt indebted to my people and to not to note to the I want to be indebted to my people, the people that put me there, the the, the grassroots people, the tacos later might say, Well this is my last two dollars, but how my car believe in your vision, I believe in you and I believe that you are you are the man to get to where we want to go. Uh the last message that I would like to share with the diaspora is that I'm twenty years old. I am twenty years old and I don't know it all. I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the solutions. But I know that things need to be changed, and I know that I can be a part of that change. I know that people are suffering. I know that people are tired. And I know that some people are skeptical about the whole political arena. But I want them to believe in me, and I want them to come back, and I want them to join me in this endeavor, because I'm not too young to, to be a part of the change that this country needs. So I want them to believe in me. Right? So... Mm -hmm. Yes, that's it. All right, you know, well, you've just heard from 20-year-old Micah Gooden, you know, a young brother that, that you know, from Belize's north and south side, you know, because you made it clear that, 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 that we just hop on the south side, right? Uh, you know, this, this young brother, I'm, I, I'm, I'm impressed with this young brother because he has the word all to say that this is what he wants to do. And I don't, I, I know there are some, there are always going to be detractors out there or naysayers who's going who's gonna to want to, you know, cast aspirations against you, but that's to be expected, you know, by the nature of the game that you're in. But I want to tell you, Micah, that, um, that I support you, brother, because I think that we need more Micah Goodings in our society. We need more individuals who can shed up more young, dynamic, Afro-Belizean male, and young men in general who are willing to, to say, you know what, I'm going to cast my name in the ring and try to be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. And we won't be stereotypical of them. And so, Mike, I want, you know, I want the director to know that this young brother here, check him out. Go to, <laughs> go to his Facebook page. And if you can donate, like he said, $1, $2, it, 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 he's like Barack Obama. He's using the same thing. $1, $2, $2, it doesn't matter. Fifty cents, okay? If you can donate something to his campaign, that's the kind of person we need because no big money on the back end. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's individuals 
you know, grassroots people, like they said, the tacos lady or the famous man, you know, somebody mm-hmm. who can you, who can convince that look, this is the vision I have, and that can that can better all of us as other people. So I think go to his website on Facebook and check him out. You know, correspond with him, and then if you can donate to this young brother, please help him because I think that you know this young brother has. You know, listen, listen to his story, man. You know, they call takeaway furniture, all kind of thing. I mean, this young brother here is, 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 is a perfect and excellent example of what I'd like to see more of our youth do. Not necessarily get in politics per se, but to re- realize that, that there's more to life than just, you know, out there, you know, being, being lazy and, and, be, and just not doing anything for themselves, trying to pull yourself up. So I want to thank you, Micah, and I want the diaspora to go to this brother's page, check him out. Talk to him, engage him, find out more, because this is only a little micro, microcosm of what this young brother is all about. He, he's much more than just a little 30-minute interview that I did with him. And I was going to bring you on again, brother, so, <laughs> so we could tell you, as you get deeper into this campaign, we'll bring you on again so you could tell us what's going on, all right? <laughs> okay, all right. brother Hubert. I want to thank you, for... my brother, and, you know, I want to thank you, and I, I also want to tell Alberto, you know, I would have loved he, if he would have came on too, but, hey, you were just as good. And, you know, you do the right thing, my brother, and, you you know, God bless you, all right? Thanks, Brother Hubert. And I enjoyed my time. I wish I had a bit more time, but <laughs> we will definitely do it again, all right? All right, thank you, brother. Have a good day, all right? Thank you, too. Okay. And everybody out there, do the right thing. See you next week. <laughs> With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.